Hello, and welcome to Plastic Platforms number four. We're back after a little hiatus, but we're back now with my good friend Centurion. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to be here, ready to chat, just relax, have some fun. Like you said, a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, sorry to anybody that was really excited for getting the beginning of the show, and then uh, all of a sudden I disappear. Um, not looking for the condolences things, but my father passed away, so I had to uh, basically go deal with that for a little while. But now here we are, man, and ready to talk about this hobby that just helps us forget what's going on in the world today because it is a crazy freaking world out there. Definitely. Sorry to, obviously, we've been speaking in the background about it. I know it's a hard situation, but um, I think you're getting there day by day. You are. Oh, yeah. You are. So, yeah, so a little hiatus, but we, we are back. We are. Tell you what, since we last time done this podcast, like, the gaming landscape's changed. We had, we had the Activision. I don't even think we. I don't think we actually covered the Activision, did we? Um, being a quarter, be a. I think we did the acquisition, we did, did we? Okay, then Bungie, Bungie, oh. Bungie are being acquired as well. That's, that's I very know, right. Bungie, that's crazy. That. But yeah, this is one thing I've always said. PlayStation, this cuts out all the all the rubbish you hear online. Yeah, well, Sony can't afford this because they've got no money. Sony can get on that. Sony have got plenty of money in, and if they needed to borrow any more, they can borrow it. They're very well, they're very well equipped. Obviously, they're not on Microsoft's level, but they could they could make an acquisition a lot bigger than Bungie. They could. They could. A lot of, a lot of but... people underestimate that fact, and. There's a, what annoys me is there's a lot of misinformation out there because what I read, right, because I spoke to uh, Luke Steele before. He's a good, good friend at the Midway Gaming. Uh, no, well, green, he's off Green Path Gaming. And a lot of the time, because obviously he works in acquisitions and mergers, uh, so that's his job. But what he says to me is like, when people look at Sony's debt, he says don't look it up properly. I had people tell me they're in $2 trillion US dollars worth of debt. He said they're not. If you look it up properly, the actual debt is two trillion yen. It's about eighteen billion US dollars. But we said websites for clicks will type in two trillion US dollars worth of debt and not make the conversion. That that shit's annoying. Do you know what I mean? It's it's quite basic stuff, do you know? But that play I actually think the future of PlayStation and Xbox is exciting because, I mean, you may not agree with me. I'm thinking more five to ten years into the future. You you could say I'm crazy for saying this, but there will become a time, and PlayStation are moving with the times. There's plans in place, and within the next five to ten years, I do believe might get some knockback for this, but into the future. I don't think exclusives will actually exist. I think it, the, you pick your favourite box and it will all be about software. All the games will be on all the platforms and the companies will just make their money by selling, the soft, by selling games on all the different platforms. And that's where it's going. That's where the money is in services as well. 
I mean, it, we're not talking now. I'm talking five to ten years. It will all be just pick your platform. The, 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 sorry, pick the device you like, and you can buy whatever games you want. I know that well, sounds very far-fetched currently, but I think in five, ten-plus years, so, that will be a reality. See, that's where I don't think it's going to be, no matter what, your ecosystem... We're just going to start referring to gaming, at least in my mind. Ecosystems, ecosystems. yes. Ecosystems. It's like, sorry, it's like Call of Duty. Although that is, obviously, uh, Microsoft wants to keep that multiplat extending past contracts. You will think of, even even on the PlayStation... Microsoft will deem that because they're now called Microsoft Gaming and not using the Xbox name as such all the time. It will be, even though they say there's 20 million players on the... I don't know how many players they have, but say there's 20 million players on PlayStation, they because they own that game, they will probably class that as 20 million players playing a game within their ecosystem, even though it's on the PlayStation platform. I think that's what they're looking at. More what games they have and including it in their ecosystem. Do you see what I mean? I think that's what they're looking at. Right. But that's where no matter what those ecosystems need a mascot, like, Oh no yes. Ma- I, yeah. you know, like look, look, no matter what, to have a decent product, if you can connect a, a very recognizable mascot to these, to these products, no matter what they be outside, even outside of gaming, you know, like look at Mister the Mister Clean. Do do they have that over there in the UK? Who? Mister? Nope. Damn it. Mr. Okay, Clean. I, I know. Out here, we have a cleaning product ca- called Mister Clean, and is he's associated? Well, we have Mr. With... The, the, the closest one you'd have to that would be Mister Muscle. A, du- a, du- a, a dusting Maybe, product. Ma- well, like you, like you know, he's basically got this bald head. Uh, older gentleman goes around. Apparently, helps clean your house. Very recognizable mascot. Um, anyways, um, to go on to like with Xbox, you know, their mascots are obviously, um, you know, you get those really good exotic cars from Forza. You've got, um, Master Chief, Gears, uh, we might even have Fable come back into that picture. Um, (laughs) that stuff. I love it. That's what I, that's what I thought too. Um, what am I looking at? That stuff. That stuff because you look like if you saw Mr. Clean here in the United States. No, it's true. I've got a yeah. bald head. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, um, over on PlayStation, we're starting to see some of those mascots even take place now in entertainment, like with J- uh, Jake Holland playing Nathan Drake. Nathan Drake has been a mascot or a staple franchise through Uncharted. Uh, we also have, um what is it uh ratchet and clank um aloy with horizon with horizon yeah, zero dawn in them and then new the, characters as well didn't they a lot of them right and now like the reason why we bring that up is now because of those recognizable characters there's going to be exclusive games air quotation marks because they're going to get they need to basically keep people associating their brands with these characters now, when we say exclusives are going to go away, the way I think is what's going to become a way of the dodo bird is the concept of exclusive pieces of hardware plastic. Um, I think we're going to see uh, the gates open up on accessibility 
to these ecosystems. We, you know, I really do see a world where you're able to play Game Pass and Spar and Spartacus, whatever the hell they're gonna call it. Um, uh, Jeff Grubb has even been talking about it. Um, it looks like uh, from what Jeff Grubb was talking about, their version is gonna be about sixteen dollars a month. Um, and basically, it would be nice in the future if you could have both of these services on a device of your choosing. If I choose to invest my money in the Xbox hardware, it would be great to also have access to the PlayStation Spartacus. If I choose to not get a PlayStation or vice versa, you're not, you're not kind of like shoehorned into the concept of having to buy both platforms. Um, and that's where these game console manufacturers can also, they should also realize that if they look at social media, there is definitely consumers out there that have picked their brand and there is no way damn in, in a cold day's chance in hell that they are going to buy the competing platform. But That's now, now, if you, yeah. now, but now you, so you clearly know they are not going to invest into your ecosystem through the hardware, but we all know everybody's got a PC People have shown interest in playing these games on PC. If you created a new, another avenue of access through an app on a console, all of a sudden they're now engaging into your ecosystem without them having to get into the hardware. And the hardware has also always been a very, very stringent topic of do you make money on it? Do you break even on it? Do you take a loss on it? Like Nintendo is notorious for always making profit on their consoles but that's also always held them back playstation and xbox has always been trying to push the envelope when it comes to technology in these consoles sometimes even to the point where they're actually taking a loss but i think like right now i think it's like said they're making like 50 bucks a console or less yeah i mean that's probably that's not actually bad really 50 dollars. i know it's not a lot but they make the money through services and oh god and yeah on the back really. yeah. you know if you really like think about it man you're a business person you're gonna make a custom device that is that the customer has to buy from you that is yeah. going to connect them into your ecosystem that is going to give basically where they are going to buy all their products and goods and services connected with that device directly from you dude come on like i mean it's almost like a win-win yeah you're making a little bit of money on the hardware but you're keeping that person invested into the your as long as you got them invested you're going to be continuously making money yeah yeah that's true it's uh I, I do think that you are right there will be a world where i'll be back sorry we're back in a minute so we Well, this is interesting. I guess I could sit here and just chat with everybody by myself. Would that come off as odd? Family calls. For everybody, yeah. I'm, I'm back. Sorry about that. No, you're all good, man. Like, for those who don't realize, like, it is like 3.20 in the afternoon for me, and it's like seven hours ahead, so it's 10.30 at night for you? Yeah, it's 10.20. Yeah, my son yep. came in then. He's gone, gone now. 
Uh, but no, it's. Uh, I easily see a place where they get to a place where, probably obviously not now, but I do see a place where you could have Xbox Game Pass on Xbox, obviously, and PlayStation Plus, whatever you call it, Spartacus, whatever, on both systems. Because obviously this will take a while, because what will happen is you've got to get development teams to work on the games that are going to be put on that platform. You also got to make a lot of them games work on the next box and vice versa. I don't think you're talking. I think you're talking a few years away yet, but it will happen because although everyone says PlayStation are very, they are they are seen to be slow to react, but I don't think they are. I think they're just watching the market and what's happening and watching watching Xbox. And I believe that a lot they've had plans for these for quite a number of years. But they just don't talk about this, this stuff. They what they watch what's happening, what's working, and it's clear it's it's clear this is the way the industry is going, and they're moving with it. Jim Ryan, although he doesn't, a lot of people don't give him enough credit. He's been there since just before the PlayStation One. He knows how to move with the times. He does so. PlayStation will be fine. Xbox will be fine. The industry's growing well. The console market's not growing. It's not really much. But can I touch on something you just said? Yeah, yeah. You talking about Jim Ryan being around for a long time? Um, like you know, like so. Jim Ryan's been around for a long time. Phil Spencer has been around for a long time. Uh, Phil Spencer has been at the company since he was an intern. Um, that means his pretty much all like at least correct. I could be wrong in saying this, but from the way it looks. Um, almost um, all of Phil Spencer's uh, professional um, life, uh, you know, professional career life is been revolving around Microsoft. And when you hear the two of them talk about it, like Mike, Phil Spencer actually almost sees the Xbox almost like probably almost like a child. He has helped grow this thing from being something that was built on the floor uh, somewhere in a, in a room that was like a closet at Microsoft into what it is today. Um, and that's where, um, when you hear Jim Ryan speak, like I said, that last interview he did with gaming industry.biz or whatever, like I remember seeing it, I watched it, I was completely shocked. He almost came off as like, as like a businessman who just ventured into something that was completely alien to him and just got involved into it. And that's where I feel like there is definitely a major difference in the feeling and the message that you get from the two guys in control. Because when it comes to Jim Ryan, I feel like I see a businessman who basically is just doing something that he I he 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 enjoys doing business. He does not enjoy gaming per se. Versus Phil Spencer, gamer to the bone, talks about all the games he plays and how he will and how he even tests some of this stuff at home. And I remember when X Cloud was a thing uh, in in its testing phase, he was talking about testing de- uh, playing Destiny Two in Japan. Um, he definitely is a gamer and that's where I just feel like, I feel like Phil Spencer radiates more emotion that he has invested into Xbox than, than Jim Ryan does with PlayStation with PlayStation. I I just feel like I'm a number and nothing more than a statistic somewhere in a book. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can see, I can see what you're saying there. But the problem, the problem is, I think the problem is with it is the the, the times are changing, but like obviously, because I'm in the UK and Europe, if Xbox wants to check. Uh, change the tide they need to change the perception and advertise actually advertise and do stuff in the uk and europe because play so far playstation's got it on lock europe i don't know whether xbox is interested in in, in ever capturing the european market but they don't seem to do a lot that's what i'm saying We're trying to because it's a well our uk and the UK and Europe is a PlayStation dominated area, and I actually thought play Xbox would would do a, make a lot more effort to try and take that, but they they don't seem to be. Ah, I've always in it's my mind one, thought the major differences between Xbox over here versus Xbox over there is almost like the same reasons why PlayStation is the way it is over there and the way it is over here um, is because uh, I just feel like logistically there's a big reason that um, obviously um, PlayStation has invested a, a large amount of its logistics into getting consoles and the availability of its products over there in those regions where xbox concentrated mainly on getting their product out over onto this part of the world and it's basically created a vacuum almost like you would say like it almost like uh like the big thing is like that story with elden ring um they were talking about how like 80 percent of the sales of the game were were on playstation alone and it was based off a uk statistic that was on physical copies completely blew my mind but every bloody month they bring up this bloody UK sales chart. We are a tiny, I live in England and we are, I don't care, so we are even India will agree on the big global map. And welcome, Masuku, as well. I see you there. Um, we're a little dot, we're like the population of 60 million, maybe. Now, America's like 350 million plus. We're a tiny dot, and they mention our little country and using the physical sales charts. I mean, I'm, I'm no expert, but, I, but if you look at the numbers that they sell on physical, it just points to the fact that, that I don't believe, because the numbers used to be years and years ago, back when physical was big, it, the numbers were in the millions. Now they're in the thousands. The majority of gamers now, I can't confirm it, but I'd to, I would has it a guess that majority of gamers in the UK, PlayStation and Xbox, I would say, but on a big, going out on a limb, that the majority are now are now um, download people did di digital. Um, every bloody month they bring up these UK sales charts and all American uh, clout chasers on Twitter. Bring it, so, bring it up, you know. You know what the funny part is about these UK sales charts is I always look at them just for I, kicks and I giggles. And um, there is one takeaway I always get from these UK yeah. sales charts is because when you compare the physical sales to Xbox and PlayStation, oh my God, the, the physical sales on PlayStations are off the chart. 
Yeah. But let, let's talk about the other half of that. The consumer base does not trust PlayStation enough to fully invest into their ecosystem digitally. Microsoft has been for years pushing backwards compatibility. They have for years shown how that a game bought on the Xbox 360 can work on the Xbox One, can work on the Series X or Series S. Um, and they have always wanted to respect your purchase where with, uh, if you bought a game on the PS3, that thing is still stuck on the PS3. Um, there was definitely um, a major hack job in 2011 that caused a lot of people yep. to take a step back from PlayStation. Um, I just feel when you look at the what's going on with these sales charts, every time you look at them, you always see that there is more of a consumer, pers- uh, what's the word, um, preference with the consumer base to buy physical than there is digital when it, when you compare the two brands. Um, and I feel that just says something. And the cr- hilarious part is when you listen to a lot of the PlayStation gamers, um, when social media, podcasts, people that talk about it, they buy their games physically because they don't know, for starters, if these games are going to are even going to work on the next generation of consoles. So they buy physical games to retain some of that value. So that way they can get money out of the game later on in life. Um, I just think it's really interesting. Nobody ever talks about that. They always want to talk about how Xbox doesn't sell this and Xbox doesn't sell that. And it's all based on physical numbers. And it's just like, has anybody picked up on the fact that people just do not trust PlayStation enough to where they are ready to go all in digitally on PlayStation. I'll be truthful. I bought my first digital act. Like I actually did my first digital pre-order for a game just the other day with horizon forbidden West. Nice. That was the first time I ever digitally pre-ordered a game on PlayStation. First time. Most of the time I would either a buy physical or B go down to GameStop and buy currency and I would actually just buy the games as they would come out. And now I've actually, I've actually slowly noticed that PlayStation has been doing some things differently. So I'm willing to give them another chance. And I actually bought the digital deluxe version of um, Horizon Forbidden West. So for the first time in a very long time, I'm wanting to trust PlayStation. I mean, the majority of people I know. Uh, they've got PlayStation, so they, yeah, they all buy physical. Um, just to, it ain't no to do for them. It's no to do with them. They just like buying discs. See, with Xbox, a lot of the thing because they've created the Game Pass, um, they've created such a system. Did you say they policies. created the Game Pass? Is that or the Game Pass? No, I worded that probably. Yeah. No, I love it. That'll be like they created that newfangled yeah. thing, the Game Pass. <laughs> the Game Pass, yeah. <laughs> that blasted yeah, Game Pass. Well, they made it so consumer friendly that people like trust Game Pass uh, and on and the downloads they do. Uh, they they actually that is although although I moaned they don't do a lot in Europe and UK, but from a download side, digital library, they've actually done wonders. They have. In that area, they're like you've got backwards compatibility. Granted, they have to some games they have to use loopholes and tell you to go and buy the disc for it to work uh, because they cut the because of licensing they can't bring the download back. It's not possible. 
but they, they've done their best with it. But backwards compatibility, because they, they say they can't do anymore. They can. If Xbox, if Xbox gets their, their checkbook out, they can have any game they want on backwards compatibility. They just don't want to spend much. That's all it is. But it, it's a great service. Don't get me wrong. Xbox uh, backwards compatibility is excellent. It's, it's, it's the best, obviously. So they could get that checkbook out and make any game they want backwards compatible, yes. But with my, well, that's the other thing. With Microsoft wanting people to be able to just go, like uh, today, I was at a store and I actually yeah. saw the disc version of the original version of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Wow. All you did digitally, most of the original versions of that game have now been swapped out for the definitive edition, which is a port of a of a port of the mobile version of that damn game. I actually, for a second, thought about buying that disc because that would be the original experience. But that's where, um, yeah, you Microsoft made it to where a lot of these games you could just go find these discs, put them in, play them, and it works. No extra charge you have to have a number on like, Hey, this is what we're willing to invest per game because yeah. this is, this is the direction we're wanting to take our ecosystem. This is the direction we want our consumer base to know that you can buy older games here and feel comfortable with that. And so um, definitely you got to have your limits though on like, I'm pretty sure some of these developers um maybe or even a in a god-awful amount of debt and it was just astronomically impossible for them to get proper licensing because the just the price tag was probably just way too high yeah you are you are probably right because uh they obviously have to work out whether they think a game's worth x amount and will people really play this game or will like 10 people just play this game you know what I mean? Certain games just people want, but will they really play it? Because some people like ask for games, but then when it actually comes out, they don't often play it. Well, that'd so be nice. there's very there's there's even some introvert interesting uh backwards compatible games, like uh <clears throat> to me at least the most interesting one that comes to mind was when they did backwards compatibility for two human. Do you ever heard of two human? I've heard of it, yeah. Really, really, uh, it was, I believe it was done by, uh, they called themselves Silicon Knights. Um, and they were somehow connected, I believe, with Epic Games. They somehow got into a legal battle with that, that particular IP. And somehow in the legal battle, the, the Silicon Knights, who were the owners of the IP, got put out of business and all this other stuff. So nobody can truly own that game oh. and make a profit from it or at least by the way it looked because they want like everybody has always wanted them to do a spinoff it was like a crazy cyberpunk version of beowulf uh i mean like you it was like yeah you live it was like almost like tron met beowulf i mean it was a very crazy interesting game um and when they made it backwards compatible, it was free. They didn't sell it because, and I always wondered why they gave it away for free. So I did some reading into it 
And that's why I found out that not only did they go through the trouble to make this game backwards compatible for whatever reason, but they also had to pretty much give the game away for free uh, digitally because of the fact that um, nobody was allowed to really profit from this game because it's legal. The, the legal rights for this game were up in the air. So pretty much it got to the point where I guess they somehow got it. It was like, well, just give it away. And I don't know if it's still free to this day, but I was definitely right there day one grabbing two human when it became backwards compatible. Uh, and same with the fear games. Fear is an awesome set of games. And I've been going around trying to find the physical versions of these games because regretfully they weren't able to secure pretty much the digital rights to the games for the most part. Oh, that's interesting. I, I've just just got that uh, that uh, tweet you you sent me by by J Jeff Grubb, and um, so that's interesting. One's called PlayStation Essentials, which you get monthly games for ten dollars. One's called PlayStation Plus uh, Extras. Yes, monthly games, game catalog, thirteen dollars. And this is the interesting one: PlayStation Plus Premium monthly games, catalog games, streaming. Classic games and game trials, $16. Now, I'm okay with the monthly games, game streaming, uh, sorry, game catalogue, and streaming should be in the majority of all of them. And this classic games thing and game trials is stupid. That, that Them there being the top tier package, I think they should be in, they should be in all of them. Well, why are they locking game? Why are they locking? Why? So, uh, how you compare it is Game Pass Console and Game Pass Ultimate. I think the majority of the classic games are all in there in the standard version of Game Pass. So, uh, so just put it in PlayStation Extras. Why are we putting it? Why are we putting that behind the top tier and game trials behind top tier? It's a bloody game trial. You're trying to get somebody <clears> to buy <throat> your game and you're putting it in, into a service. That is weird. I mean, I might be wrong, but I think game trials. Are <clears throat> well, I don't know. People to, people to pay up for a game. It's like they're on Xbox, they do game trial weekends where if you like it, you can buy it after. I don't get that. It's weird. If that's if this is all true, that's a bit. Of a I put, weird I'll put the tw I'll put the know? tweet in the chat so that hmm. way, if anybody wants, I, 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 that's I, I, that's, I, I, that's I, from Je that's from Jeff Grubb on what's going to happen with PlayStation Spartacus supposedly. Most um, people probably seen it, but that's weird. Them two classic games and game trials to to put in there. Well, that's what I don't actually get it. see. That's where uh, <laughs> what was it that came out oh, four days ago? Yeah, see, I'm a little behind the times. Dealing, you know, game trials. Yeah. Right? Game trials. It's like, come on, you're trying to get people to buy games. What's it service for? Now there is games and game preview that you pay for. Um, well, uh, let's see. Deep That's Rock true. Galactic. Deep Rock Galactic. Very awesome game. Started in game in game preview program. Actually had to buy that game in the game preview program. I have uh, no issues with that, but that's not in a service. This is being locked. This is being put into a service. You see. You can you can buy games in Grain Preview outright. They've put this part of service. True. I don't get that. Uh it's strange, that is. Well, I thought you'd find that interesting. That's why I put it in there. That's why I was gonna get, mention it here in a little bit that I put that in there that 
and the thing is, you don't want to sit there and be like, oh, he's just talking out as you know what, but yeah. it's actually, it makes sense. And it seems oh, like it's priced properly. I mean, like, if you're going to say if anything is a good theory, I mean, that right there. Yeah, it is a good it, 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 it most likely is true, but you'll never know until it actually comes out. And it's not going to be called Spot. Oh, no, it's already said PlayStation Plus Premium. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I know. I always heard that it was going to be a rebrand of PS Plus. I've always heard that they want to rebrand they PS want Plus. And this... I, I do. I do hope it's something better. PlayStation Plus Premium needs some cool name, don't you? Like Game Pass. That's a good name, isn't it? Well, that, well, that's the only no. thing. Game Pass is associated with games, like games. You know, it is Game Pass. Exactly. I've noticed with something like with like if look, I've always said they're an entertainment based company. They own oh, yeah. their greatest asset is the 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 production side, the movie production side, yeah, and. If they were to somehow create a way where their televisions and movies that they do come out in a streaming service that is under th something like this, and if and it like if you really look at it, it actually seems more like a satellite package system because you have the three packages: you have the essentials, the extras, and you have premium. Um, and that's where. Uh, it's just very interesting. I wonder, could you potentially see them having them an offering of uh, movies sometime or sometime in this premium side of this uh, subscription service? See, I talked to a certain somebody, not obviously saying who on the show, and I was on about this because they did trials in Poland, didn't they? As part of PlayStation Plus, there was a limited trial, maybe last year or something, or year before. Because I remember Mads Gaming was talking about it, and they had a they had a limited trial in Poland, where they added movies in for one month or two months with the PlayStation Plus customers. It is good, but it, it's technically quite hard because some of the the lies it's down to licensing, and not all the films Sony makes they could probably chuck into a service. They it's like you got to think about the deals that they have. You know, when they put them into service, a lot of their films get put into services, don't they? Like Netflix. Well, I'd imagine that Netflix signs certain deals to say, oh, you can't put this here, this here, here, and here. We want it exclusively. I, I know it goes into the exclusivity thing, but I that would be a great benefit. If they could put movies in there, uh, if they could do it, I, I would say they would. But it's interesting how they tested the waters in Poland. So they have been thinking about it because they they put a few movies in PlayStation Plus. Um, I'm not saying they actually would do it. I don't know how it works legally. I don't. Well, they definitely have a good catalog of movies to uh, be able to do it. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, let's look at Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is a film franchise that is owned by sony um and i'm pretty sure if it was possible it'd be great if you had some of the uh like the original animated series of the ghostbusters actually part of the streaming service i mean if that was part not to sound cheesy or weird but if that was part of a streaming service uh i would already be tuned in and watching some of the some of 
actually great entertainment franchises that Sony has under its belt over at Sony Pictures. They do. I mean, that also lends into lends into discussion about the why you're talking about films uh, because I know that you do. Do you still play Destiny? You no. Not- no. no, as soon as they told, oh, it, as soon as they it, told yeah. me they were making the Forsaken, D- they took my Forsaken DLC. I told them, uh, "Well, I'm Was taking my wallet and going." Were you playing that for a while, Destiny? Oh my! Oh, yeah. yeah, I thought you were. Now, oh. with this acquisition of Bungie, it's obviously already been talked about, but they plan on making Destiny movies. Do they? So that oh, is a dude. I, that's what I'm going to say right now. Before you see movies on Destiny. They're for sure going to be doing, we're going to see at least a, an animated television show and a comic yeah. book. Um, and in my opinion, depending on how the Halo show does on Paramount Plus, if that if if the Halo show blows the F up and we see a massive interest for sci-fi gaming-based uh, IPs in, in entertainment, uh, I think literally Sony is going to be like, we're going to be doing a Destiny television show and it's going to be exclusive to this platform, whichever platform. And that's where if they had um, their own version of a subscription service where they had access to like, um, we're just going to use HBO Max as an example. Yeah. Um, could you imagine uh, if PlayStation created a subscription service that was able to deliver uh, a, a, a movie system, kind of like what HBO Max is doing with movies that are in theaters, also appearing in the subscription service for a limited amount of time. Um, but there's also exclusive content like the television shows. Um, I feel like Sony is in a very good position to have a subscription service on that caliber and and somehow integrate what's going on with PlayStation to become part of it. Oh no, definitely agree that just that that was obviously obviously part of the obviously vision because a lot of people think that I, I am not in the same same agreement because everyone I've heard a lot of a lot of <clears throat> about this bungee deal and oh they overpaid, but I don't think they have. I don't think they have overpaid. Three point six billion might sound a lot for one game. But what you've got in that is they've got bonuses to keep stuff on. Uh, and they're also, what, what what you won't see is, is um, Bungie will, be, will will help Sony. I guarantee they'll be helping them, sorry, PlayStation. They will help them in how to make um, shooting games and stuff like that. You won't see it, but they will offer the help because that, because. They're coming out with a load of live service games, 10 in so many years. But what you've got to understand is not all of them games will get off the ground. They don't mean, I don't think they mean 10 live service games are going to suddenly appear within years. So it's like in the, it's like in the gaming world, some games, you just see what sticks, don't you? Some games will fail. Some games won't get off the ground. I don't think you'll actually get 10 live service games from PlayStation. You'll get so many, but I do believe that the uh, Bungie will be actually helping them in in how to make shooting games or offer a bit of experience. I think I think that's why they've got them as well. Although 
the, the deal isn't isn't to make exclusive games. I think they're actually paying for their their, their expertise and talents to help teach them or teach the, some of their studios as well. I know they won't mention this, but they do. Because oh, I'm a bit confused because I've heard other podcasts talk about this. Now this is an acquisition, right? I'm a bit confused. A lot of podcasts have got. I don't know if I've got my wires crossed, but a lot of podcasts saying, "Well, the previous two deals didn't work," and I was thinking well, they weren't the same. Activision didn't own them, nor did Microsoft. As far as I'm aware, unless you can correct me, did they actually buy? No, they were just they were just they were just licensing deals uh, for X amount. Of, I don't believe Microsoft ever acquired them, did they? This is an actual acquisition of the company. This is. I would have to. I really don't know the history on that. I really don't know. I know Bungie was one of the first studios to work with them uh, in the creation of the Xbox, Halo. um, And then they wanted to go off and do something else. And I think that's where um they left obviously halo stayed 343 studios was uh birthed out and three uh bungie went off to do destiny but they didn't have a whole lot of money to begin with and that's where they got mm-hmm. into a publishing deal with activision that because was, yeah. they were banking off of like hey we did halo now we want to do destiny activision's like okay well um, can we show you this cool thing called microtransactions first, and then we'll definitely get yeah. something going on. Um, definitely. Um, I would have to say, yeah, this would probably be their actual a- first acquisition that I've heard of, like actual somebody saying we uh, we bought Bungie. But in part of that, Bungie also did uh, retain uh, its uh, independence, its at- autonomy. Um, does that mean by some chance uh, Bungie is, will ever put itself in a position where it has to buy itself out of Sony? I, I have also made the same jokes that, well, this is the third company that they've been with. Um, at least they're not going to be like absorbed into Sony. I'll, um, send, you a, I'll send you a podcast um, I will, with Ty Guy Travis, and he's a big Destiny fan. Uh, he talks about it in, with... Uh, on XCP with Luke as Incipit Ghost, on because he thinks it's a bad and he goes in depth. He explains that he explains a lot of it and in depth. He says over time, I'll, you listen to it and you see what you think. But um, they bought their way out of the publishing deal. Uh, they did out with Activision <clears throat> two years early, and I, I'm. I, I think it was a lot of money. I, I think it was, I think you would have been talking at least a billion. Easy. I mean, I might be wrong, but no one actually knows because that was a very private private deal. That was what went on when they left. Hey, welcome, Invader. <coughs> so, yeah, they bought themselves out of that publishing deal. Um, I'm very curious on what this is going to hold in the long term. Like we all talked about the entertainment value of Bungie, the fact that they are uh, keeping their independence. Um, So they definitely do have, um, let's just say they have different um, futures ahead of them than other companies that are bought out and are just completely absorbed by the companies that are purchasing them. Kind of like how, like with Activision, 
Microsoft has already shown on if this purchase goes through that Activision is going to function almost as like an independent publishing arm of Microsoft. Like it's still going to be there. Um, it was not just going to be like all of a sudden you show up and the parking spots have been painted green and there's Microsoft logos everywhere. Um, definitely with, uh, when you said that people were talking about how they overpaid for Bungie, um, I always made the joke. Well, if you take a person who just ate and showed them food and tried to sell it to them, I'm pretty sure they would not really want to go for it. But if you showed a starving man food and tried to sell it to him, it'd be a different story. Um, and same with um, Bungie. Bungie obviously had way more to offer PlayStation than they did Microsoft. Microsoft obviously knows how to make a good online-based um, shooter that could turn into games yeah. as a service. Um, they the only thing that really the only thing that really did anything for Microsoft is like, well, it's Bungie, well, and it's Destiny. But over at PlayStation, it's like what you said. They have talent that could come over and work at Sony's side of things and help make some of these studio show some of these studios a new way of doing things. Uh, but also at the same time, they're going to get um, some major financial support when it comes to really pushing forward on the Destiny universe and any other um thing that they want to come out with out of Bungie. I'm actually I would love to see Bungie come out with something new if you want me to be absolutely honest. Yeah, no, you you're actually right. Um yeah, it's an interesting situation. I mean I was, if you if you actually speak to a mergers and acquisitions lawyer on it, have you ever listened to one? I don't know if they you know the way they say they've got independence all and all this and all that. On paper it doesn't look that way. You know the way that they, they, they can't do this, they can't do that, and all that. Once you've been acquired and you you're, you've been bought, things change slightly. So I don't know how it's going to work because the the statements they make for quite a company being acquired is quite. We do what we want, not what they want. When they own the when they own the building and the company, it, it's a bit a bit dodgy if you ask me. The, the, the quotes and claims. Well, when you when you're acquired, you're acquired. Do you know what I mean? They, they could and buying your way out would be very expensive, I would have thought, to start with, you know, but um I don't believe all of it put that way. I don't. I believe they're gonna keep things multiplied because that's where the money is. And it Oh no, like yeah, I know. That's why I'm saying they're gonna keep yeah. things multiplied because that's where a lot of money is. That's where um, I feel like their independence thing really comes into play because Bungie would prefer to keep things multiplat. Why, why restrict, restrict yourself away from X amount of millions of customers? Because let's face it, like there is a large base of consumers playing destiny right now on the Xbox alone. There is, and I didn't realize how many people played it. I especially didn't realize how many played it because uh, I think as part of it, they released the stats on all platforms, and I didn't realize how many people played it. I mean, on the PlayStation alone, that surprised me. That did. I didn't know they had that many players. I mean, this deal just shows you that PlayStation are changing, and they are getting more into the way 
like kind of into the way, not totally into Xbox is a way of thinking, but they are they are moving a needle in that direction. They're seeing that as a money because they've bought Bungie for obviously talent to help them. They won't say this bit, but and to to help make live service games and the talent, but it's a money maker as well. It's like Microsoft, why they bought um or are tr- still still trying to acquire uh, Activision. It's a money maker. A lot of them games will just remain multiplayer. It's such a big money spinner. Companies like Microsoft love. I know they're worth two trillion, but they Satya Nadella would love it to be a four trillion dollar company, a six trillion dollar company, you know, and so on. And them Activision games just just bleed money. They do. I think you know. I mean. Um, microtransactions etc so it's the same with bungie uh, obviously that that company doesn't make as much as what activision would but they still make money and that's what these companies are after but it just shows that playstation are changing the way they're thinking they're moving the needle more into xbox's way of thinking so they in the they will get there in the end they will and one day mark my words they will have day and day on a, on a service one day Maybe not now, maybe two years, maybe five years, but it will it will happen one day. It will. Are you there, Centurion? Oh yeah. Okay. No, I was like I was talking for quite a while there. I was. Uh-huh. I was talking for quite a bit then. Hey man, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's always fun to have these conversations. It is. It's more you hear. So, I talk more on here than I do on midweek uh, gaming because there's normally six of us. <laughs> um, so speaking of gaming, I guess let's uh, ask that. Does Elden? Let's talk about Elden Ring. How about that? Everybody talks about Elden Ring. We have yeah. it in the title. So let's talk about is are, is it interesting to you? Do you want to play Elden Ring? I mean, Elden Ring from uh, from From Software look. In, looks incredible. The game, I know. I know a lot of people that are playing it. VJ is currently playing it. Masuku, who's gone now, he was in chat. Thanks for coming, Masuku. Removable Sanity's also got it. He's also on the panel, and they're all looked. They're all really like it. I know Luke Steele. He started to play it as well, um, but Luke Steele is a Dark Souls guy. He he he. That's his thing. He loves. He loves them kind of games, and from what I've seen of all the trailers and the footage, it does look an incredibly beautiful game. I know there's problems on there is problems on the PC version. I know that, but it does look fundamentally like a good game. Now, ask the question: Would I play it? I struggle with games that are hard. Anyway, most people know this. Um, I would struggle to get through that game a lot, and that's just one. I don't believe that I want to see, I want to play that kind of game because it looks incredible, but I don't know if I will be able to play it because it would be incredibly hard. I just it's have this vision of you like screaming at one of your family members because you're just like dealing with a boss that you can't get past. Uh, this happens already. I was doing. Oh I was doing this. I was. I was trying to comp- do a certain bit in Song of Iron, which I still haven't completed. And I was getting so wound up. 
like uh, like people like indie gamer. He he's a good guy, and he can play games like this. He doesn't get he doesn't get stressed or wound up. And I'm like, f this shit. I'm gonna this control is gonna get broken. Do you know what I mean? I don't actually chuck it though, obviously. But uh, yeah, I don't think I would fare well on Elden Ring. But it, I tell you what though, I was surprised when the scores came out. Absolutely incredible scores and. By all accounts, it does look like it deserved it. I mean, I mean, I know you shouldn't contribute Twitter to meaning the gaming community because it's really not. But I feel a bit sorry for for, for, uh, for Horizon Forbidden West. It's literally it's been knocked off the radar on Twitter. I'm not seeing no one talking about it, and if they have, it's I'm not following them. It's like Elden Ring, Elden Ring. It's either Elden Ring, I love Elden Ring, or I'm stuck on Elden Ring. Or it's somebody moaning about Elden Ring that they can't do it, and there's all that whole accessibility uh, problem as well, as well because um, about people find it harder. But the, the I just don't like them people go get good, get good. Certain people can't play certain games. Um, obviously, they could make it more accessible for people to play. Uh, Three will Paul will talk about on, on Wednesday, but. Yeah, I do get where indie gamers laughing because he knows exactly what I'm like. Because he has plenty of DMs off me about certain games. He's like, you know, see me getting wound up over certain bits. But need to be more calmer. But I would love to play it. It's fifty quid in the UK, which is very, very nicely priced game. When you think about it. if you devote that amount of time to a game, I mean, I think skill up. Uh, are you, you a well-known YouTube? You must have heard of him, obviously. Uh, if you haven't, anyone just look him up. Skillup's a very good reviewer, and he's a veteran of completing games, and reviewing them. Um, and he is into Soul Game. And when he launched his review, he actually admitted in the review he hasn't. Um, what's it called? Completed it, and he was 100 over one hundred hours into the game. And that te- and that tells you that tells you how big the game. So if you look at fifty pound, sorry, sixty dollars for you in America, if you're playing that game over your time, that is that's, and you're enjoying it and you're getting the value out of it. That for fifty quid, it's incredible value for money. That it is, in my opinion. Would you like to get into this game? What 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 do you think about this game? It's getting rave reviews. It is. It looks like a really great game. It looks like an awesome game. It, it is colorful. It's fantasyful. It, it's exciting. It's all action. But I know the developer and what they like to do to these games. And yeah, definitely don't want to get wrapped up in trying to play a game like this right now. Um, especially when I have, um, what's it, Sicaro, uh, Shadows Die Twice, and uh, Bloodborne in my backlog. Um, I definitely want to eventually check this game out, but I want to first kind of clear up some of my backlog when it came when it comes to games like that before I start getting into it because I. 
it's very interesting that these games are like this. Um, I see everybody's already chatting about, you know, the idea behind, you know, accessibility versus difficulty. Um, these games require a de definitely a big amount of patience. And I just don't know, like you have to be in the mood to want to play one of these games. And I have not found that mood yet. No, I definitely agree with you. See, you, when when you get used to them certain kind of games, you must be. They're on a hot. These games are on a higher level. You have to really think about them. It's strategize, and you have to be a lot more patient with games on this level. But once you can, once you can complete a game like this. There's nothing stopping you completing anything because they they really are. They, I want to like a game like this, but I know that I can't even. I struggle with Death's Door, uh, and that's not really a very hard game. And Elden Ring is a. They, I want to want to. I want because everyone's playing it. I want to try it. I've got a FOMO over it, but if I buy a fifty quid, it probably might be a fifty quid waste. It might be. But they do, as Indie Game was saying, because Indie Game uh, likes these games as well, which I didn't know until recently, when they were real, what, what you've been playing recently. Um, they do require patience and feel awesome to overcome the challenges. I bet it is when you've been trying to beat a boss for X amount of time and you finally do it. Definitely, definitely rewarding. It must be Indie Gamer. But yeah, so... It, Elden Ring. I mean, it's. Um, I didn't. I didn't see. It's literally knocked everything off the right. Well, everyone's talking about Elden Ring. Even people I know that don't like Souls games have actually bought it. See, that's where there's also been a lot of people like up in arms. Uh, I saw. I think it was David Jaffe, the guy that did uh, okay. the God of War. The guy, um, he's yeah. also on YouTube. Um, yeah. He was talking about how the media <clears throat> is overhyping this game. Um, when you go look at stuff on Metacritic, we all know how sacred their numbers are. You see a really great Metacritic score, but then when you look over to the user reviews, it's, it was like at a six point. It was like a ninety. It was like a ninety three on Metacritic, and you look over and the user reviews are at like a six point two. You're like, whoa, that's definitely off um, yeah, they just review bombing it that that too oh, i mean problems you don't know do you some people are sad like that what's really weird out. man is i just don't understand i don't pay attention to like other markets but is it like it makes you wonder is it like this in other in other markets or is it just like this in gaming where oh, it happens like on, literally on... the consumer base takes the time to go review bomb stuff and do all these other things and i mean i god i remember one of my first videos was based on the idea that gaming journalists were demanding that its software create uh, an easier game to play so that way they can review it better because a lot of them couldn't play uh, Sicaro. I remember that about Sicaro. A lot of them were crying yeah. that they couldn't play the game because of its difficulty curve. 
Um, and then all of a sudden, so now they're on uh, its software for its difficulty curve. Now, all of a sudden, Elden Ring is the greatest thing since sliced bread, uh, according to everybody with the gaming media. So I'm just, it, it's very weird how the gaming industry works, especially when it comes to the people who buy these games and just how fickle everything gets, especially when it comes to uh, popularity of the game. It's true. I mean, from what I understand, Rotten uh, in the movies, Rotten Tomatoes is regarded as the is is the Metacritic of of um, movies. That, that that kind of stuff happens there, but I think they stop there. I think I think you have to be verified or so. I might be wrong. They had some issues like that, the same kind of thing. But no, Ooh. sorry, in the game, you are right. I should have realised that um, you do like that kind of game because you obviously love Hollow Knight. Um, and you put, well, I only started playing Dark Souls recently, but played Sekiro. And obviously, Hollow Knight is a Souls-like, which has the same feel for challenges of the bosses, etc. But he says, exactly, Stubbs. They are incredibly rewarding and a sense of discovery because it isn't just pointing you... It, because it isn't pointing you to go here, there, and everywhere, basically. It, it's, it's so much more heightened. He's right. It's it's a uh, once you once you do kill a boss or you do something and you've been trying for a while or you couldn't find it, the rewards far greater. It is in his view. It is, but I am playing Hollow Knight. Don't worry, Indy. I've started playing it again. Might be a thousand hour game for me. Do you know what I'm like? <laughs> if I get there, have you played Hollow Knight? Um, Centurion? No, I have not. I've seen you it. You I should. didn't know much about it. I, I actually just learned it's like a Souls game, so I'm just like, ooh, I don't know if I'd ever I don't know. I, I don't <sighs> it's 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 a Metroidvania style one. It's it's in like 2D. It's not like okay. dark, it's not like Elden Ring as in graphically intensive, but it is Hollow Knight is absolutely incredible. It, it's it's like the indie darling. It is. I mean, they're they're actually they're, they're obviously they're not for everyone. Uh, but the Team Cherry. I mean, you tell me how many indie games you know of that will release a trailer or a teaser trailer and get a few million views on it. There ain't any. But the Silk Song trailer went up, and I haven't looked recently, but it's a few million views, and that's from in, that's on their own YouTube channel. So that tells you something about it. It's got a massive fan base, and if you go on Steam, thousands and thousands of positive reviews. So there's something about it. There is. It's a very popular game. It is. It's like the indie darling of the community, indie community. That game is. But like Indie Gamer said, it's not them kind of games. They're not for everyone. They're not. But yeah, it's a game you have to try. And it is in Game Pass. So if you wanted to try it, you could. Yeah. I need to start hammering away at the games. It's freaking Game Pass. Oh, my God. The Game Pass. Oh, no. The Game Pass. <laughs> yes, my backlog. I'm like drowning, like right. So, um, my birthday was recently, and my 
uh, bro down here in Phoenix, he got me uh, Dying Light 2. And for some reason, I cannot put that game down. I even oh, got to, I'm gonna I'm trying to get that game done now just so I can play Horizon because I was I had already pre-ordered Horizon, so I'm just like, well, damn. Um, but yeah, um, I'm definitely happy with playing Dying Light too. And now I'm that's why I'm saying everything's in game pass. I don't know if I'd get to it, but I will definitely go check. I'll at least give it a try. Yeah, that's that's so weird. That, that's the beauty of having game pass it's in there so right. you don't know until you try but like indy said you you just go in with a different uh different mentality don't expect it to hold your hand and you will fall in love so that, that's the kind that's it's kind of how it works them kind of games don't hold your hands and, that, and that's a big part of people some people's moaning on online about them like there's in the, in the souls maps, there's no maps and stuff like that. There's none. There's no this. There's no save points. It only saves in certain points, stuff like that. But that's how the games are, and that's why people, certain people, love them. You know, it's just it's just basically not every game is for every gamer. There's a massive variety of genres, and that's just. Variety is a spice of life, as, as they say. Well, what have you been playing? Hollow Knight, actually. <laughs> wow, that's hilarious. Well, I have recently started playing that, but I have. But the problem is, I had started. I had started to Rise of Zero Dawn. I was getting into that, and then I started Hollow Knight. Stop jumping games a day. So you're playing the first Horizon? Yeah, the first one. That was very. Uh, start of it's very good. Gra- graphically, it's, it's hard to believe. It's, it's, it holds up on the base P- on the base PS4. It does. Oh it's yeah. But I didn't like the some of the bits at the start because uh, you've obviously played it. Oh yeah, um, I, I, I it's, almost... it's a good start. Just I don't like because obviously my parent. I don't like the way they treated Aloy. You know things like that. But it won't be explained to me until I obviously get more into the game as to what. Well, really... yeah, no. Once you find yeah. out why they treat, there's a reason why they treated her that way. Yeah, but I'll find that out when I get more into the game later on. Problem, it's probably at the end of the game or something like that. It will be. Um, actually, you fucking know the it, game. It it's already hinting it at the minute. You got to do some ceremony and. You got to do that, and then you find out what what happened to the mother, uh, mother and stuff. You know, so, so that's not going to spoilers though. I want to no, all I was gonna say is Horizon Zero Dawn is a very large game. Um, I enjoyed playing it. Um, I I I couldn't put that game down when I started playing it. Um, and I bought that game on a whim. I remember reading an article about Horizon Zero Dawn, like I want to say months, if not a year, before that game ever came out. And I remember going into GameStop to get something else. And they had, he's like, You gonna be here tonight for the pre order of Horizon Zero Dawn? And I'm like, Oh, wait a minute, it's not coming out tonight. And that's where I just pretty much showed up for the pre-order night and got a copy of it on it on the night it came out and I enjoyed playing it. 
And that game is big enough to where the story is dished out to you in a very slow, gradual fashion. And it's actually done, in my opinion, well um, for it, you learn thing. And once you now, once you find out why and who and, and the, the, all the, the gist of what's going on with Aloy's character, it's not like end of game credits. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, now you got to go do that one thing you were uh, supposed to do. Um, like, I mean, like the story, uh, is a very in-depth story takes you all over. Like, uh, how many hours have you invested in it so far? Not many. I'm literally, I, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm not that far. Wait, wait. So you're still up in the mountains in the snow. Oh, I am. I've just. I, uh, I speak to, I don't know his name, the person that's been looking after Aloy, and he's like standing on the mountain piece. And okay, no, my, you're, you're still, yeah, you're still in the very yeah. beginning. You're still in the very yeah. beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. And let's just put it this way. When you go to the other, the other places that world has to offer, and I mean, like, dude, the environments get very, very exotic. It, it's actually really fun. Um, and at least for me, it was addicting, uh, wanting to do all the collectibles and the unlockables. And to do that, you had to get really good at hunting. And when you see that T-Rex robot, that giant freaking T-Rex robot, and that for the first time, and you're just like, how the hell I'm going to take that thing down. And then you have to actually really figure that out. Um, because part of being the hunting in that game is you got to take down some of the bigger robots in that game. Um, and I mean, it, you got to be really, really good at looking at something and figuring out your weak points and be really good with that bow and arrow and the other weapons they give you to actually help pretty much, uh, wear this thing down to the point where you can actually defeat it. Yeah, I could take a little bit of it because there's some. Um, I need to learn to be more stealthy because I've had the little watches uh, point, point me out, and uh, I got a bit, bit, bit more stealthier. They've realized my presence, and I'm not being good on that front. With, ste with stealth, you got to learn patience, yeah. you yes, and that's where you got to just wait for them to come around and just get them with a stealth kill. Um, but it's kind of funny though. Um, I don't get it, but the stealth kills at least do they, I just, I forget if they register or not uh, for the ones that are still remaining. Like if there's two watchers and you stealth kill one of them, can the other watcher find its body or does it just continue on? Like life is normal. I don't know. I haven't done a stealth kill yet. Cause they keep Dude, I haven't played, the, played the first one in so long. It was a good game. It was a good game. That's all I'm going to say. Well, hopefully, number two is great for you as well. I'm hearing good things. Uh, my friend Luke Steele's just completed it. He said he, he absolutely enjoyed playing it. So I've at least booted it up. I've played about an hour or two of the game. Uh, it looks great. The, the integration of the controller... Uh, and the haptic feedback, all the, the dual sense controller and all the other stuff. I actually had to turn the, vo the volume down, uh, 
on the on the controller because i mean like when you swing her weapon the controller makes noise anytime you turn on oh, your really? focus it makes noise oh yeah oh, um nice. at least on the ps5 um that'd be um, really annoying because i'll be in bed and my wife would be asleep and be waking her up playing it <laughs> so i actually broke down and actually bought a second controller for my ps5 because okay i want to be able to play that game and with uh i've done i've heard from some people that depending on like exactly how aggressive the game is and how much it throws at the controller i've heard you can only get about uh, three i want to say about five hours out of a controller something like that really? I, i've heard yeah i have heard this but i've got another friend who um bold man gamer i don't know if you know him um he said that his controllers he's, he's played it a bit and he's not had no problems with it so unless it's i don't know i do believe that because the, the now, PS4 controllers ain't great does he have his haptic? Does he have all the haptic stuff turned on still? I will message him about that and ask him if he's because got all there, that. because I've heard some people go in and turn all that stuff off by turning it off. You extend the battery life. Uh, me, I'm just like I want to feel the experience the developer wanted to give me, so I'm gonna leave all that stuff turned on. Uh, but yeah, definitely can't play that game next to my wife while she's trying to sleep. Freaking every time you swing the damn sword, swing, swing. Yeah, there, there, there's no way you could play that room, play that game in a room with someone trying to sleep, at least with a PS5 controller. Yeah, so yeah, that doesn't, yeah, that sounds. I don't know what the fashion. Do you like that where the controller making noises like that? Do you, is it fun or do you, is it just a gimmick you think they should just drop or? That is a very tough question. Because they had it on the PS4. Because I remember when what game was I playing? Destiny used to do Destiny One on the PS4, and then there was another one. Apparently, Death Stranding did it as well. The, the baby noise is coming out of your controller. Is that right or something? I don't know. No, no, no. It wasn't Death Stranding. It oh, was. Almost it. No, wait a minute. No, it was Death Stranding. What's the other? Days Gone is the one I was thinking. Death Stranding was the one, yes, the the baby noise coming out of the controller. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think many games uh, would. I don't know. Well, the, Did, that's the only thing. Um, you never really saw a whole lot of companies embrace that tech, and the ones who always did were first party studios. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you because I obviously, I when I had a PlayStation, I only really played Destiny. Uh, back then, I was a bit with Destiny Horde. I used to play it all the time. But I didn't know if every game adapted it. Because I think what happens is PS5, all the new games will adapt it for the first... Or sec- because PlayStation is obviously pushing an incentive to start with to use the haptic feedback. They'd be pushing some kind of... Whether they pay them or you offer them some incentive. But over time, that will dwindle. And it would just be first-party studios that would be using will be using that tech. I might be wrong, but I imagine that happened on the PS4 too. With with that, um, well, I'm I'm definitely the controller. The experience that the controller delivers it's very very different compared to Xbox. Um, I I will say for me. 
<clears throat> the fact that the controller makes noises and the fact that it, it does what it does has actually made me it's like you don't want to play sometimes in front of people because gaming is already seen as almost like a, a child's thing. And now all of a sudden the controllers are starting to make noises. And I understand that PlayStation is trying to push uh, the idea of the, the experience that the controller can deliver. And I enjoy that. Uh, but also at the same time, it's such a new thing that it almost it almost comes off as a little weird right now. Yeah, I mean, I'll go I'll go for exactly what you say because I don't own a PS5, but I could imagine that could be it. That would be very annoying for me. I I would literally I'll tell you what, I'd probably just turn the haptic feedback off on, on the controller. I would. Well, it's not the haptic feedback. Uh, the haptic feedback are this first, so you're able to turn off all the audio and the noises. Oh, the haptic, fe- the haptic feedback is now your haptic feedback is your triggers. Now, oh. obviously, with Xbox, we have rumble triggers, and that's all they do is they just rumble. Yeah, I turn with, off. <laughs> with the pla- with the PlayStation controller and the haptic feedback, this is where it gets really strange. Um. So as in a situation where the haptic feedback is working, uh, the controller will you the triggers will all of a sudden develop resistance. Like when you go to squeeze the trigger, it's like all of a sudden the springs inside the trigger have started to tighten up and you get to the point where it's like almost the trigger is trying to stop. And that's basically a point where they tell you where like if you're trying to pull a power move, you basically pull your trigger down to that point where it feels like it's going to click. And you basically, the minute you make it to that point, that means technically the move should be powered up and you should click the actual trigger the rest of the way. And it will actually almost like engage the move. It It's really weird how the trigger will literally act like a normal trigger. And then there's situations where that thing feels like it's the hardest thing in the world to actually pull the trigger on. Um, and there's been, I guess some, I've read articles online about where some people just really uh, iron man, that thing, whatever Popeye it to where they, they, they actually squeeze the trigger so hard that they actually broke the haptic feedback feature of the controller. Really? Goodness. At least that's so what I read. Broke it. Well, I can believe that. There's always someone that can break it. Someone well, will try. Oh, dude, look at the failure rate for the original Xbox Elite controller, the original one, the one that had like the hand grips come off and stuff like that. Um, They figured out like the the triggers that were coming off the top buttons uh, that were popping off were because uh, people were holding the controller in a way that Microsoft or the engineers over at Microsoft thought they would never, nobody million years thought somebody would be holding, holding a controller like that. But I guess it's a, it's a play style specific to first person shooters. And um, they, they, they had to redesign the elite two to be able to be held in that, that doing that. Mm, that's interesting. That is, is, because obviously, it's a thing they've improved it on over time. It is, but you always get someone that will try and break so, it. You will. 
Right. Um, I see. You mean with my hand? No, they were holding the controller, not like you normally hold the controller with, uh, oh, you held it with your hands and it failed. Wow. Um, that's one thing. They obviously had a failure rate. They, they definitely used a lot more metal parts in the Elite 2, but uh when talking to david preen he said like obviously they they thought people would hold the controller controller left to right you know left hand on this side right hand on the other side but apparently they were holding the controller in a way where they were basically almost like hitting the trigger uh with their whole they were like almost like palming the top of the controller uh hitting all these buttons at once or something like that and the motion of basically striking it from the top and going down is what popped a lot of the buttons off. Because that's an interview you can actually uh, listen to on T- uh, TXR. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When was it? So you can, I'll probably send it to him if you can find which oh one it God. was. Yeah, it was, that oh was like 2020. That was a long, just type in uh, TX. Yeah, it was, no, that was like 2020. It's YouTube, TXR, no, David Green. It was 2019. It was 2019. That was a great interview that that was. Yeah, David Preen. Really cool guy. Very nice. Well, he seemed it because he he was talking about people had different problems and that. And he he said that he's uh, people put it on Twitter that they had various problems with it. And he's actually DM'd them saying, send it back. I'll send you a new one. I want to play with it and see what went, what went wrong with it. So it's quite fascinating what kind of tests they do to it. And he said a lot of people that have problems with them and they break, we get them to send it back and we just send them a new one out so we can test it even more. But there was a lot more to it in that, that interview, weren't there? It's quite, it's quite, it was quite interesting. You learned quite a bit in that interview. Oh, Clever yeah. Man. Yes. Learn about thinking, all the ins and outs of working at Microsoft a little bit. Yeah, it was interesting because he, I believe that he also went to work on the Series X, didn't he? Eventually. Yes. He did. Yep. So he he, uh, he had a little bit of a hand. Uh, he had his hand in designing the Elite 1, the Elite 2, uh, if I'm correct, the Series S, the Series X. And he also had his hand in designing the new um, Microsoft headsets that came oh, out. Okay. Interesting. Well, a friendly pass. Welcome. I interviewed a friendly pass last week. Last, uh, yeah, last last Thursday on the Stubbs cast. I did. I did. Um. But yeah, good guy. He makes VR content. He like like likes his virtual reality. He says that my elite two has been flawless though. So that that that's good to hear. Definitely. Oh no, I the funny ha! Huh, I actually found an elite two at the very beginning of the pandemic, and I remember like stuff was already hard to find, and I found one just floating around in a Target. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna take this home and try it out. And uh, I will definitely say I, it has been a very, very enjoyable controller to have. I don't like, I mean, I dude, I, I got so tired of swapping out battery packs and this, that, and finding rechargeable batteries and the way the elite two works. I mean, it's actually very convenient, especially with the, the charging station. 
Yeah, I have no idea about the elite, so I haven't got one. I haven't. I don't intend to ever get one either. I don't, because I don't think I could ever convince. I don't. I don't even think I'd want one. But, uh, but then again, I like Astros, Astro fifties that are quite expensive headphones. Dude, oh I my god. Say. I remember. Okay, so I bought the Steel Series Seven Xs, like yeah. literally a f- a couple months before Microsoft came out uh, with uh, their headset. But at the same time, I feel very happy with the purchase I made. I know um, there was more, almost like features on the series. I mean, on the Xbox uh, headset with the Bluetooth connectivity, but with the steel series headset i just like the look of it uh the green lightning that shoots through it and the fact that it's a metal head it's a metal headpiece it's been a very very great headset i've just enjoyed it and uh definitely uh one of those purchases is just like man at least i got it before that headset came out and all this went down because uh definitely man when you try to get stuff now it's just a pain in the butt yeah, no, it definitely is. It's stuff sells out quick, but your stock, I mean, you're probably better off with still serious. I mean, I haven't tried the Xbox Fisher headsets, but I believe that still serious are like higher tier and the Xbox headsets will be lower tier. It's like Astros, they're higher tier in quality because I don't, as good, as good price as they are, them Xbox, I've never trusted the Xbox headphones. They always, in my opinion, a crap and break, but these well, are probably great quality. That's what these new ones. gravitated me to yeah. to Steel Series because um, I remember when I first got my Xbox One. You know, Ooh, I'll be up. You're ones. just like, I'm gonna go get the Xbox headset. Yeah, that, great idea. Yeah, and, and now the thing, <laughs> remember that black headset where the microphone folded up into it, and when it was yep. folded up, you didn't even know the microphone was there. Well, yeah. one day putting that headset on, it just snapped right at like where the like the band met the the actual earphone. And it was because it was made of plastic. And I was kind of like, well, that's freaking not cool. Like it's plastic, you know, it's like I'm going to say right now, you li- I live out here in Arizona out here, like literally sunlight destroys plastic. We don't trust plastic out here in the desert. And I just shook my head at that. And ever since then, I've always looked for um, better headsets on the bands being made out of a steel band versus a plastic band. And I first started off with uh, HyperClouds. Um, I still have my HyperCloud set here. Um, and then uh, after HyperCloud, I wanted to go wireless. Um, and that's where I ended up with a Steel Series. Uh, headset because it was a actual metal band. Oh no! We'll talk about yeah. a headset that's definitely made some leaps and bounds. Hypercloud. Remember when er- Turtle Beach was ever everywhere? Oh, I never had very good experience with Turtle Beach. I found they used to break and snap on me. I did. I can but definitely. Yeah, you are right. They, they used to be like everywhere. Turtle Beach did. Oh yeah, everywhere everywhere um i've only i have managed to only buy one turtle beach headset my entire gaming and it was a wireless headset it wasn't really 
it wasn't a total piece of crap, but at the same time, it was, it just had things about it that thing, thing like the, the microphone piece wore out extremely quickly. I mean, like within the first month or two of getting it, it was all of a sudden like making weird squeaking noises as when you would take it out of the headset. Um, and, and when the battery would get low, the whole headset would just go to complete trash with, you know, it was, it just wouldn't like turn the headset would fail completely. And it, it just it definitely, I was not happy with turtle beach. That's for sure. Yeah. I'll never trusted them after a couple of headsets and, but I would imagine that Xbox is up, is up their quality. I'd say that they probably deliver a quality headset now, but I just didn't want, I didn't want to risk it because I like oh, because yeah. once you get once you get used to Astros, you get used to Astros, and you. I worry that they wouldn't be as good. You see, so I just got the I went from Astro A, old Astro A forties to Astro A fifties wireless. So I have never okay. owned a pair of Astros. See, I know I know Astros because I used to play. I used to watch and play Call of Duty years and years ago. I used to love watching esports, and Astros were the the company that would sponsor all the events. I don't know if they are anymore, but they were the, the ones that used to sponsor all the big events, Astros. And they were the standard headset that, that, that play, all the players were given. Oh, yeah. I, I they might not be now. They might not be now. But... Definitely, uh, man. Thinking about just how accessories have come along in gaming. They have. It's been massive changes. They have. I'll just read this article about Steam Deck. Do you see this? This picture. <clears throat> Apparently, Gabe New Gabe Newell delivered delivered one of the one of the um one of the devices to someone's house. It's incredible. And you would have to tweet it to me. It's not. It's not. I'll send you it. It's. Uh, yeah, the picture looks just like him. It, it is believed to be him. He he went out and that they sent this guy an email saying your uh, device is going to be delivered early and what day it was going to come or whatever. And he weren't in. He he was very dubious, and it it was delivered by the uh, Valve boss uh, Gabe Newell. And even the picture looks exactly like him with, with a face mask on at the door. He did. So yeah, let's see the stream deck now. That's something that also keeps popping up in the news. Yeah, it does a stream deck. Looks like a good bit of hardware if you can afford it. It look, looks like a good bit of good bit of kit. It does. It's interesting. I the hit hit can deliver deliver one, but. A friendly pest. He's got a Corsair HS seventy five XB. Pretty good. That's good to hear. That is. What are you having for dinner, friendly pest? But yeah, that's. Um, I just thought I'd see it. I, I see it. I thought that was interesting. I'd be like, wouldn't it be cool? Like if like, well, it's too late now. But Phil Spencer went out and delivered the first ever Series X to someone's house. You didn't watch Power On with Xbox, did you? I haven't seen all of them. 
Dude, oh, you know, sorry, you know, sorry, Gates. Sorry, you know Bill Gates. You know Bill Gates sold the first Xbox. Yes, he did. So do you okay. feel going to do that with a Series S X? Well, see, that's the only thing. Um, could they do that now? Like gaming, so- uh, gaming fans have become a lot more fanatical. Like, could we really do that now? Yeah, but. To be fair, if he just did, say, like, he went to a rural area and he had, like, obviously security and he went up to the house to, to deliver it, he wouldn't get mobbed. He'd be gone by the time that, you know what I mean? You're right. I, now, think, now, that, yes, I was thinking more like, could you have Phil Spencer at your local Best Buy, you oh, know, no, ringing, I mean, up, ring, ringing up Xboxes? Someone's ordered one off the store. And they look at the location, check the area out first, and yeah, well, you can go and deliver it. I'm not saying the guy will be in or the, the woman will be in, but you could do that randomly. You could, but yeah, that'd be that'd be all over the news. That would have been. But right. you are right. Fans are fanatical now. You would need bodyguard, like any Best Buy, etc. Yeah, you would need a bodyguard most definitely. You need security. You would. That's very true. You would. But yeah, I thought that was interesting about Gabe Neal delivering that to that steam that steam deck. Looks like him. Certainly looks like him. It does. So yeah. now, my question I've been wanting to ask you: Have you been? Have you checked out Dying Light too? Are you not into the Dying Light series? Uh, I've never actually, I've never actually played the Dying Light games. I've heard of them, but I've never been into the like, zombie games. I, I tried uh, what zombie game did I try? I've tried Back for Blood. I've played it with a few friends, but that was all right. And I played what's that game that Xbox have got an exclusive of? Was it called? Um, what's the game called? They acquired the studio recently. Uh, they're making another one. What's it called? They've got a zombie game, haven't they? Oh, God, what's that? I can't think what it's called. Who acquired who? A while ago, a few years ago, it was a zombie game. Uh, and it's exclusive to the, to the Xbox. I can't think what it's called. It's like a survival game. Oh, oh State of Decay. There we go. I, I bought State of Decay 2. And, yeah, I haven't played it in a long, long time. I have. I don't know why. State of Decay, yeah, Friendly Press said it as well. That's it. And, uh, yeah, I haven't checked out Dying Light 2. State of Decay was a good one. Now, State of Decay, if you want to go on a random conversation on that game, that game, in my opinion, is Grand Theft Auto after the apocalypse. You go take cars, you loot houses, you fight zombies. I had a really good time playing those games, the first one and the second one. Um, Dying Light 2, though, that's a total different experience for sure because, man, um, it's like almost like a zombie game almost did Assassin's Creed better uh then assassin's creed did assassin's creed because uh ba- you know dude like 
when you do the parkour challenges in that game and you get on the rooftops and you start running and you start leaping from rooftop to rooftop and you get into the 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 later stages of the game where your character is more leveled up and, and is more agile and has better abilities for doing the parkour uh, the game gets to be really, really fun when it comes to running through the city. Um, and I mean, like the combat, especially now and Dying Light 2, uh, being able to leap off of people and kick people behind them. Um, and it's all melee combat. There's, let's just say, the closest thing I've ran into any kind of a projectile is a bow and arrow so far. Uh, but definitely, uh, I'm surprised you haven't at least tried the first game out. Definitely a very interesting concept, but it's not your typical zombie game. Like you're not going to be like handed a gun and be like, here, go shoot up zombies, save the world. Like literally you got to like the first, the first part of state of decay Two. for the most part, you're not even down on the, the, the ground fighting zombies unless you want to be, it's almost geared for you to be on the rooftops, avoiding them just for you to first kind of get the idea of how to move around in the game before you want to start doing the combat. Yeah, I've not played it in quite a long time. And I, I it had I know it's had quite a few updates since our last play. Oh, I haven't played it in a year or so. I know. But that's the thing that is good about a lot of the, uh, the games within, like, Xbox. They, a lot of them seem to just get constantly updated. Well... Now that's the only thing. Like it seems like it's on Xbox, but it's actually now that that's actually Techland, uh, the company that's done Dying Light. Uh, they keep oh, yeah. releasing yeah. patches for the game and updates. Like so, Dying Light, the when it first came out, came with a season pass, and that season pass, just to be upfront, it was very mediocre. I, I bought it. Yeah. I wanted okay. to support it. It was literally some very very basic DLC. And we're not even like it was literally like you got to go do like two custom missions that literally took place in a closed off area. So it was like there wasn't much to them. And it gave you uh, access to a bunch of uh, like skins. And in that game, crafting plays a lot in the game. So it almost they gave you blueprints to some pretty, pretty overpowered weapons that you could craft. Um, so the, the, I would say the high point of the season pass is if you had the season pass, you had access to some pretty powerful weapons right in the very first part of the game. Um, and it really tipped the scales in your favor, almost like pay to win. <laughs> uh, but okay. dying now they changed stuff in dying light too. And the deluxe edition, um, you get, um, these custom, these two weapons, but it appears that they're like single use like you don't get to use them again. I don't. Oh, okay. So like the minute you break them and they're done, like it's not a blueprint and you get to make this weapon over and over again. Once it's done, it's done. It's gone. And, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. So definitely I've been enjoying it. I'm surprised you haven't tried them out. Um, interesting games. No, it's, uh, I've never played. I've heard a lot of people rave about them, that they're good. I know that, um, if you'd like to play the game, if you'd like to get all the content out of it, there is hundreds of hours of worth of content. Um, thank you for stopping in, a friendly pass. Hope you have a nice night. Now, when the developer made that comment, you have a good night. Uh, when the developer made that comment of like it's like 500 hours of content, that is playing the game more than once. 
Oh yeah, that's like soaking up every ounce and every every inch of the game, every single slice of content. That is. And, Some and, people and, love that. They do. And going, but that's also playing the game more than once, going down different paths, making yeah. different decisions. Um, and that's where, like, you never heard anybody cry about Skyrim. Like, oh my God, Skyrim has like hundreds and hundreds of hours of things to do. Like. I put 300 hours into, uh, well, I don't want to say 300. Maybe we'll say right now it was probably more like 170. Um, 170 hours into Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I know I've put way more than that. I've probably put wow. like three. I have for sure probably put like 300 hours into Elder Scrolls Online. So it just comes down 300 to, you're probably more like a thousand than you you're probably more than likely <laughs> um but let's just say though like you don't hear anybody getting mad about these games that are just that big and like that's why i was shocked when everybody's like really are they getting crap for having a game that you know could potentially take 500 hours to replay the game more than once and do everything that they can offer um but man that techland is a great developer um, they've definitely done a good job of keeping up with content drops. They saw that with the season pass. A lot of the fans were mad about the season pass being mediocre for the first game. So they came out with other DLCs. Um, I So the first one, I think, was the following, where they expanded the game. You went more outside of the city into like a rural area, the dune buggies. Um, and that's where Techland really, really showed that they were wanting to keep the game alive. Um, and then they also had other content drops where they, I think, added more enemies to the the game. They changed some of the factions up. Uh, they created a like down in one of the main bases in the in the original game. Uh, they put an arcade machine for you to play like this little spinoff game they created where you basically fight. Ma like skeletons and stuff like that like they've just done some very crazy off the wall things to just keep the content always coming for um state of decay and i'm really looking forward to what they potentially will do for state of decay too i mean damn it state dying light now you got me saying state of decay i can't believe i did that yeah but yeah no it's uh i'd never complained about when i could i wasn't gonna buy it but did developers find it hard when I think all they were trying to say is this this is how much content you could squeeze out of it, it was value for money, and people didn't take people took it the wrong way. And then in the end they had to clarify this game doesn't take that long to complete in the end. Because everyone was crying about it. But then they, they can't get it right, can they? If they, they give too much little content they get moaned at, but they give too much content they get moaned at, they can't win, can they? Oh, dude, that's what. Is it, <clears throat> who was it that said uh, they've already got like 130 hours? Uh, like you, you said, somebody that was already said they're 130 yeah, hours still deep up. Elden Ring. That was when he released his review, and he admitted he, he hadn't completed it yet because it was so big. So now, like, oh, if man. I really wanted to follow suit, oh my god, it's software. Your games are too hard and too long. Get it together. Yeah. <laughs> well, people have. Don't worry, they have. <laughs> But that's where, uh, 
Man, that's definitely, it's just really good to see though, developers that want to continuously support their product and not just be like, all right, there's our game. We're done. It's out, finished. No, they've, uh, it's, I've had a lot of fun with it. I know a lot of people had a lot to say about Dying Light too, especially with some of the optimization for the game, but I've had a lot of fun playing it. I've been enjoying the experience, uh, just unlocked a, a much bigger part of the game and definitely uh it stands completely differently from the first game well because that's good because i from what i have heard about it someone like was asking questions on the game and and he said just to know if you haven't completed state of decay one oh i'm doing it again yeah. dying like dying like one it doesn't matter in Dying Light 2. I think it catches you up, doesn't it? It does. Okay. It, in, in, it so, catches you up at the start. Look, I'm not a spoiler giver, but look, yeah. guys, if you start the game, Dying Light 2 right now, there's a cut scene in the very beginning of that game. So I, I'm only going to make reference to a cut scene that takes place before you even get to press start and choose your yeah. HDR you settings go. on the game. So the game, there's a 15-year uh, span between the two games. The original game takes place in Haran, where the original virus broke out, and you play the game over there. The events that took place are specific to Haran. The virus was cured, and over the course of the next 15, you know, like, it wasn't cured in the game they like that it was basically by the story they give is the Haran virus was somehow cured. They don't really get into how the cure worked, but they apparently the GRE was supposed to say, all right, we cured it. Now we're not going to experiment with it anymore. Well, they lied. They continued experimenting with the virus for another 15 years and it got out of the lab. And now it's the year, I think 2032, the virus has become a, a worldwide pandemic and now humans are now isolated to these little colony cities. And you're pretty much in one of the last colony cities in the world because the virus, I guess, just went pretty bad. I guess this is a much more uh, hardcore version of the virus compared to the first game. Um, so they've definitely created a good story for the transition. But by making a 15-year gap, yes, you don't have to play the first game technically. Well, that's because a lot of people will be jumping in that haven't played it before, and at least they don't have to go and play the whole game just to find out. And it catches people up that want to just jump straight in. So yes, it does sound. It sounds. Um, I don't know. I'll have to have a look and see what I reckon. I don't know. It's too many games nowadays. That's why I get. Uh, I, I don't complete. I don't complete. I don't complete a lot because I, I get distracted too easy. This is what happens. I move on. How do you think I do feel living mm. with ADD? Squirrel. Yeah. It's like game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a fun time at minute in gaming. It is. But yeah, we uh. Had a fun show. We actually, if you didn't know people, we didn't actually really have any like set in stone topics, and we seem to have covered a fair bit because there was plenty to talk about. There was, 
Oh, well, I know. And also it's been, dude, I just wanted to be able to just sit down and chat. You want me to be honest? This is, this is, this is my Zen garden. This is me raking the dirt and placing the stones, just relaxing. Um, especially after the, the month that has went down in the month of February, it's just, that's why I was like, no, let's do the show. I know we don't have nothing really set in stone, but let's just conversate, hang out, have fun. And, and just do the reason why we play games, and that's just to have fun. That's exactly true. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a fun chat. I like how it wasn't really scripted, and we just kind of rolled from one topic to another. It was it was nice. It was definitely. It was nice. It was, and it's been a long time since we done one, but. Uh, but obviously, it wasn't. Uh, it's obviously a hard point you went through, and uh, you're getting better. You're getting better day by day, and it's staying positive now. No, yeah, like, or trying to. Yeah, the, the, you know. the yeah, the the glass half full thing, but also, yeah. um, you know, definitely. Uh, looking forward to the future. Definitely going to have a lot more time now to do a lot more content. That's why my channel has been like up and down on content drops. Um, I've been, you know, I knew it was coming with them. We've been spending time together and uh, stuff like that. And a little bit more concentration into the, the personal life. And uh, now um, what's done is done and I have a little bit more time on my hands and I'm looking forward to actually getting more content coming out on my channel. So definitely, uh, you know, big horizons ahead. Yes, definitely. So there's not really much content on my channel as such. Well, well, I say that, but I've got stubs cast and midweek gaming, but it's not like I'm making videos. They're like podcasts. So it's slightly easier to make the content. It is than make sit there and make a video i have got a whole script written out for a video though on why i like gears of war i've just got to make the video i have and see I, I i tried procrastination doing, procrastination i tried doing the no <laughs> script thing but yeah. i have actually found by sometimes at least i don't want to call it scripting but writing down a flow and a general idea of how you want the video to sound and the way you want to the, the, like what you're trying to say um definitely able to like wrangle in all those loose thoughts and definitely keep a lot more control of a video when it's like written down before you start making it oh yeah mine like notes so quite often you just forget stuff don't you you, you just do when you're talking you can just forget it's quite easy to do it is let's see if that video ever happens i talk about videos a lot it never happens we'll see if it can happen, but yeah, it's been it's been good this week, uh, Centurion for episode four, and I will put a proper description in the title with more topics in the title because currently it just says Elden Ring and, and much more, basically. <laughs> Plastic platforms, episode four, Stubbs and yeah. Centurion drone on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it's been fun. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Uh, yeah, definitely. For those uh, looking f 
looking for me and my content, you can find me right here on YouTube. It's in terrain one three Oh seven. You can find me also on Xbox live and Twitter at Centurion one three Oh seven. And you can also find me every Sunday night, right over on the TXR podcast. Yeah, you definitely can. Like you're talking gaming when all, while I'm sleeping. You are. I know. With TXR. You are. It's a good show. It is. I'd like to catch it more live, but that ain't going to happen because it's three, four, two, whatever time in the morning it is. But yeah, you can catch me on Stubbs Gaming Channel. Link in the description. Uh, every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 p.m. Great Minish Time, UK Time, 2 p.m. PST. Uh, weekly podcast with gaming topics or news. Depends what, what, what catches everyone's fancy. We try not to be so platform set. I do try and make it so it's not pure Xbox. I try and cover it like all platforms, but it doesn't always work out that way. I do try and make it more diverse. I have got the Stubbs cast, a content creator podcast where I interview podcasters. And I've actually also previously interviewed a developer with Removable Sanity on the panel for that one. Um, there's actually a pl- playlist for that if you want to check that out. It's on all popular podcast, uh, podca- podcast platforms as well. If you want to check out ones with Dealer Gaming, uh, Mike from NLG, Centurion, you've been on there, haven't you, Centurion? What show? You haven't. You've been on the Stubbscast, haven't you? Yes. Yes, you have. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. I've done that for 45, uh, 46 interviews now. There's that many I've done. I'm just trying to remember everybody. But there's loads of content on there for, uh, for you to watch if you want to check it out. And please like, share, and subscribe on this channel, the Pla- Plastic Platforms Podcast. And then we'll see you in two weeks. We will. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you all soon.